Welcome back to the Bad Podcast. We're getting ready for spring football. Spring is in the air. Football's in the air. And on Tuesday, March 8th, the Buckeyes will be playing football. This is Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com, along with Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman. We're your Ohio State coverage team. You can find all of our work at Cleveland.com slash OSU. And right now we're trying to figure out if Ohio State was in Florida for spring practice, like Michigan is now, would we be there? Would we be there? Would they send all three of us? We would go in a nice long car ride, me and Bill, and then you could fly because you're a diva. I could, <laughs> and you guys could pick me up at the airport mm-hmm. when I landed. Yeah. The car yeah. Um, as long as you don't care about all the McDonald's wrappers in the back seat that would have accumulated <laughs> over that 13 and a half hour drive. So we were looking, uh, Ari wants to swing by Daytona on this road trip that we're planning. And that's 12 hours. Could do it. From Columbus. And you would do that? You would. You have a theory. You would drive to Daytona Doug, like if you, for, a de- for a night, for a good, like, if go you, hang out? Here's what. If you said, hey, man, take this weekend off. Don't do anything. You have Friday till Sunday as late as you want. I would drive to Daytona Beach from Columbus, Ohio on Friday all day. Spend an awesome day at in Daytona Beach on Saturday all day, and then drive back on Sunday. Would you go out Friday night when you got there? Probably, yeah. Like if you woke up, if you left at seven a.m. and got there at seven p.m., would you go out yes, right away? Hundred percent. Go hard. Yeah. Go hard or go medium. Go hard. Go hard. It's Daytona Beach. <laughs> and then hit the water Saturday. I mean, like it's just a big beach party all day. It's spring break. I'm like, I'm not thirty yet, so I'm trying to like. I want to enjoy doing things like that until I'm too old noticeably what, to be what there. What is in the headline, Bill? <laughs> Could Ari go to spring break? Or would it be in a Well, here's the reason why we're bringing it up. You guys know that movie? The headline. The answer is yes. That movie that came out with uh, Robert De Niro, uh, where he it was called Dirty Grandpa. Yeah. And yeah. he's with Zac Efron, the most attractive human being on the planet. Yeah. Um, they went to Daytona Beach, and I was watching that. So, like, when I... That's what kind of got it in my head, and then I googled how far of a drive it was. And Robert De Niro was like eighty in that movie, and he was killing it out there. So. I know. I think your issue is that you're a little closer to De Niro than Zac Efron, yes. than you realize. Um, I'm definitely a dirty grandpa. Okay, so we'll talk about Ohio State. They're having spring practice at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center in Columbus, like they always do. Maybe someday we'll be traveling. We're not this year. Um, so, Bill Landis, um, let's first talk about the guys that we know a little bit. There are six starters back on each side of the ball for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm interested in is how good we think some of these guys are. Obviously, we know JT Barrett, and obviously know, we know uh, Raquan McMillan, the middle linebacker on the defensive side. But there's some other guys um, that I feel like are going to be counted on and need to sort of move from being good to stars. And when you think about Garyon Conley at corner or when you think about Tyquan Lewis at defensive end or Billy Price on the interior of the offensive line, do they have those guys who could make those leaps who have been starters but now aren't just guys who are, who are starters but have to be elite players? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting with guys like Conley and, and Lewis because you have to ask the question, like, are not like, are you good, but maybe did you look a little better because Garyon Conley had Eli Apple on the other side and Eli Apple's going to be maybe a top 15 pick. Taekwon Lewis had Joey Bosa on the other side, and Joey Bosa is going to be a top five pick. So now are these guys going to get exposed at all now that they don't have that kind of security blanket covering them up uh, in the 2016 season? I think Garyon Conley is pretty good. I think if you're going to feel safe about one of those guys you're not so sure of, I think Garyon Conley might be the guy to feel to feel surest about. Taekwon Lewis, I don't know. 
Tyquan Lewis had a good season last year. I think he finished leading the team in sacks. Uh, I think life changes a lot when Joey Bosa's on the other end of the line getting double and triple teamed on every snap. So he's the one guy I want to look at and see what kind of jump he makes going into a season where now he's probably the focal point of the defensive line. So, so we know there's a lot of guys who have to fill in. They have to find guys who are going to fill these starting spots, the 16 holes that they have. But who are the stars? I was just at the NFL Combine. There were stars everywhere. Joey Bosa and Darren Lee and Ezekiel Elliott and Eli Apple and Vaughn Bell and there are Taylor Decker. There are guys who are stars who weren't just stars in Ohio, who weren't just stars in college football, who are expected to be stars in the NFL. So whether they're returning starters or not, who are the stars? Who are the guys that we're going to see in March in spring football take the step to say, wow, this guy is going to be dominant? Okay. None of them on this team outside of JT Barrett, which is the obvious one, is anywhere near the level of being a national star. So I think maybe... Raekwon McMillan was a Raekwon McMillan. The award, yeah, Raekwon McMillan. But should we like change it a little bit and just say who has the potential to be one? But here's the thing. So, so the thing that I'm interested in, though, is in spring of 2014, okay, that's just two years ago, we went to spring practice and we said, huh, look, Look who's with the first-team linebackers. I think that's that Darren Lee guy. Did He used to be a quarterback in high school. And Darren Lee went from had never played to a star like pretty much right away. Because by the time they're playing Alabama in the national championship game, that season he's running all over the field like a game-changer. So I think this year that's what they need. They need guys who don't have that in-between step. Who don't, you know, aren't Gary on Conley who gets to have a first year as a starter where he doesn't have to be the best player on the defense because there's so many guys around him. They need guys on this team on both sides of the ball who have not played that much who now need to be one of the best players on the field right away. Okay, I, I've got a weird one. Uh, I think Eric Smith has a chance. Hmm. And I don't know what it is. Um, ever since he was, you know, doing the all-star game circuits in, in high school and, um, you know, just his body is built, I think he's he's kind of seemed like a guy at safety that could really make a difference. Now, the only thing that you have to be concerned about with him is that he's coming off an ACL injury. But, you know, with Von Bell back there, um, you know, there was two bona fide starters at safety the last few years, so it's like he wasn't going to get on the field no matter how good he was. Um, but now that there's an opening and they actually have a need, I just think that everything that we've heard about him, he's been a special team star. I mean, all the prototypical things that you know you, you hear about young guys before they become that type of player, I think Eric Smith had before he hurt himself. So, now, I mean, the thing is, I don't think we're going to see him in spring now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he tore his ACL in the fall, so probably not. I didn't think about that. I mean, I I'm think, an idiot. And actually, there's a lot of guys. I mean, Curtis Samuel's not going to play <clears throat> in the spring. That's right. Um who else are we going to see in the spring? I know Tyquan Lewis. We saw I mean, in basketball Noah Brown. games with uh, with his arm oh, in like sweet. a contraption. Um, but last time I saw him, his arm was out of the contraption. So Tyquan Lewis may or may not be out there. Noah Brown coming off a broken leg. Corey Smith in August. Noah Brown's limited. Brown JT said so. that he was going to be limited. That he's like just now getting to I run at a full sprint. If there's any guy who's questionable or like on his way back from an injury, I think we'll see either. Either won't see them at all or see very little of them. And I think, that, I mean, yeah, that's that's what happened last year with a bunch of guys. 
um, when Cardale Jones, for instance, was basically the only quarterback uh, during the spring. So, I mean, that's going to limit it, too, because Curtis Samuel, I think, is a guy who would be on that list for me, who can go from a guy to being a, who'd be a star. Noah Brown would be on that list for me, who could be a star. And, and we're not going to see him in the spring. I'll ha- one guy I'm going to say, I think, is, and uh, we're not trying to trick anybody here. These are some obvious names. Sam Hubbard might be ready to be that. Sam Hubbard played a lot last year at defensive end, um, had more sacks than Joey Bosa. He could come out, and in spring football, we all assume he's going to lock down the other starting defensive end opposite Tyquan Lewis, come out and say, wow, that guy looks like a guy who's going to be first-team All-Big Ten, if not more. I like Jerome Baker. I think we don't know who's going to start at that spot where Darren Lee started. Chris Worley gets talked about a lot. I would be surprised if Jerome Baker is actually not is is not the guy who plays there, and I think Jerome Baker, even though he hasn't played and we haven't seen much of him other than some special team stuff late in the year, I think he has the athletic ability and that explosiveness to become a star player at a position that lends itself to becoming a star. Because I think that's an important thing to talk about when you're looking for guys who are going to become stars is what position they play. Right. Because I think like Dante Booker is going to be a very solid linebacker, just like Josh Perry was. Josh Perry wasn't really a star. I think you're going to have Dante Booker slide in and not miss Josh Perry much, but he's not going to be a star because that's not a sexy position. Okay, I got a name for you guys. You ready for this one? You ready, Doug? Hold on. Okay, I'm ready. What about Dontre Wilson? I like it. I don't know. I mean, is it possible to be a four-year player coming in as a senior, kind of underexpected? Because he has name recognition already, and I think that's part of it. Everybody knows who Dontre Wilson is. He's supposed to be fast, and you know maybe we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say last year that you know he's still suffering from that ankle injury. But he's running track now, so we don't want to hear about the ankle anymore. Probably um, coming into the spring, foot, broken foot. foot, right? Did he break his ankle? It's broken foot. I think, I think it was foot. Broken Lower the foot leg. And the ankle, to be fair, are connected. connected. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, now that all these guys are gone, Jalen Marshall's gone, I mean, they have a lot of – I mean, there's a need for him. And there was a time last year, if he wasn't 100%, where it would have been easier to get lost in the shuffle. Now, Ohio State's got some young guys in there that are trying to get into that H-back role. But if Dontre Wilson was ever going to be good, now's a chance. And if he's fast and back to healthy, is it too late to say a senior could be what everybody hoped he would be? I mean, I can remember um, sitting at – Big Ten media days with Urban Meyer in July of 2013. And the guy that everybody was talking about was Dontre Wilson. I mean, in this class, that 2013 class that we know what that did, that's all the guys who just left. The guy that everybody was talking about based on summer workouts, based on Urban hearing that man, you got to see this guy was Dontre Wilson. We wrote, I wrote nine hundred Dontre Wilson stories before he took the field, and then here we are. He's I've, entering his senior year, and you're talking about him as this guy who's never really, you know, if you think about what he was then, maybe he can still be that guy. Tell yeah. a story about that we learned at DeSoto about when he got hurt in high school. Yeah, well, we were in DeSoto a few years ago after the national championship game, and Texas. he's DeSoto, Texas. DeSoto, Texas. He's from. Um, and uh, it was like a playoff game or something. I wrote a long story about State this. Go look game. it up. Yeah. But uh, apparently, uh, he was running really, really fast, and uh, he like hurt his ankle like in the third quarter of the playoff game, and had to come out. And like he went to the back room, and um, some guy snuck in pretending to be a reverend, so he could touch his ankle and say a prayer. 
and like then they found out the guy wasn't a reverend, and it was just some weirdo trying <laughs> to touch his ankle. And uh, he came back into the game and scored another touchdown. So the prayer might have worked, but like that's the type of talent that Dontre is. He inspires weirdos to jump, come from a high school locker room, go in there, sneak in, pretend to be a reverend, and then touch his leg. So just you take that and you enjoy that little tidbit about Dontre Wilson. Tug's face is like... <laughs> Uh, so here, here's another question I have about spring. Are we going to see a different JT Barrett? A year ago, he didn't take part in spring ball because he was coming back off his injury. Last season, he didn't begin the year as a starter. Last season, we saw that the quarterback situation was a problem. Um, it was an issue for both Cardale Jones and JT Barrett. And now everybody left. JT Barrett is still here. Not just a quarterback, everybody left, but everybody around him left. And on a team full of alpha males, um, there is zero doubt where everything starts with this team. And is it possible that JT Barrett will be better? Because of that, because he doesn't have the quarterback competition, because he's fully healthy, could we see him in a different light? And what do you maybe? What do you want to see from JT Barrett this spring? Hmm. Yeah. No. I think all that certainly lends itself to JT Barrett. Even with all the players they lost, I think it's very possible he has his best season he's had here. I know he finished fifth in the Heisman voting two years ago, but now I think he embraces the fact. That it's all on him. I think he likes to be the guy as much as he maybe wants to deflect that attention. I think he very much relishes being in this role where it's 100% his team. Everyone knows that. And now he's the leader everyone looks to. So I think that that'll lead itself to him being more of a, a vocal presence. I think we're going to see a different sort of personality from him. Maybe that means more to us as the guys who cover him than it does to the fans. But in terms of on the field, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's going to go out and throw 50 touchdowns next year. Is he going to run for 1,500 yards? 50 touchdowns. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if the talent, I'm, the talent around him is good. I think it's easy to believe that with the way they recruited. I don't know if it's going to develop at a pace that allows him to have that kind of monster t- uh, statistical yeah. season. Yeah, I don't know. Doug wrote the story about whether or not he improved, and the fact that it was even debatable, I think, is because of all the other stuff that was happening. Whether it was his injury that he was coming off of, and he broke his ankle, right? Which is, fun fact, connected to the foot. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, the Cardale stuff. Everybody knows what was going on. But, like, the idea of him being in his fourth year into this program and for the first time in his entire career, going into the fourth year, he's going to be headed into spring football as the unquestionable leader of a team, completely healthy, and able to assert himself in a young atmosphere as the guy that everybody should cling to. He's already been named captain. And, you know, what do you think? He's from his redshirt freshman year. He's not going to get better. And I don't know if getting better means he's going to have better stats. I don't know if those are two of the same things because the makeups of rosters are different over the course of time. And, you know, if he wasn't going to have better stats last year with the team that they had, then I don't know what you can expect. But I I, I think that it would be – safe to say that confidence is a big part of, of playing quarterback and you know feeling like this is your team is a big role in a quarterback's mind. Well, I mean, let me ask you this. When we, when we talked to uh, three Buckeyes, the three captains the other week, uh, Bill talked to Pat Elfline because we always have Bill talk to the lineman. He's not very... We speak the same language. Not very Slav. <laughs> he speaks Slav. 
uh, I talked to Ray Paul McMillan and Ari, you talked to JT Barrett. Did you, how did he see? You know, like JT Barrett over the course of time, just like to give you some insight, has always been an articulate, insightful guy. But I kind of feel like in the time, you know, ever since maybe like he got a little, maybe since he got in trouble last year even, and he's been um, available to the media, I've noticed that he's been very long-winded with his answers. And I feel like that could potentially, and I don't know if I'm just taking a step too far here, be the idea of I have a lot to say because this is my team. Yeah. I don't know if, if that makes any sense you know, to you. I, I think it started with weenie arm. Yeah. I actually think... Yeah, weenie was arm. Yeah, heard, yeah, yeah. Weenie arm was sort of like, hey, by the way, him saying like, hey, by the way, I have a thing I've been waiting to say, and now I'm going to say it. Um, and he was, was a starter then. After he yeah. took over, I, it felt like he, he's not going to say any of that while he's the backup quarterback. But once he did take the starting job last year, um, and it wasn't his first year as a starter, I did feel like... You get more confidence in yourself. You get more confidence that like you can say stuff and Urban's not going to yell at you. Um, and he he did that a little bit. Yeah. So you saw that even more. Yeah, and, I, and he just yeah he says a lot of stuff, and it's very interesting a lot of the times. And you know, we wrote three or four stories off of that. Um, but you know, it's part of the makeup. And everybody, some when when JT Barrett was a freshman and Tom Herman was here, and that was the first guy he recruited. Tom Herman went on and on and on about his leadership and his command. And at the time, I just thought. That's just something you're saying about a young guy because you can't say anything else right now because he's new, you know. Uh, but like, if all that has been a recurring theme throughout his entire career here, for the first time in his entire life, he actually has a chance to be at Bask in that moment during the off season. To be the real, I mean, everybody can have leadership qualities, but there is something different about being the leader that's playing. Oh, and oh. to be in the offseason in this position, I think, can maybe help him kind of flourish into a different type of person. All right. So there's a, a guy that I'm very interested in uh, this spring. He might be number one on my list of guys that, with my own eyeballs, I am most interested to see in a college environment. And it's a Landis guy. Ooh. Who is it that I'm thinking of? At a, at a prominent position. It's, again, it's not a secret. I don't know. Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this. I was this. thinking lineman, man. The, <laughs> yeah, so was the, I. <laughs> the, the backup quarterback battle is not just the backup quarterback battle. It's the battle for who's next mm-hmm. at quarterback. Dwayne Haskins is part of this newly signed recruiting class. But he's not here. Joe Burrow is here. Torrance Gibson's a receiver. I would love Torrance Gibson to get a shot at quarterback someday. I don't think it's happening. Torrance Gibson's a receiver. We can add him to the list, by the way, too. <laughs> Let's watch this guy. Because we have to get him in the headline. And Stephen Collier <laughs> is just not going to be a quarterback factor. Joe Burrow is the guy. He has a chance to get a head start on Dwayne Haskins this spring. Bill, you saw him play in high school live. Mm-hmm. Ari and I did not see that live. What... Do you know about Joe Burrow from from what seeing him and writing about him, and what are you interested about Joe Burrow this spring? I saw a lot of JT Barrett and Joe Burrow, and I think I wrote that probably like seven times. I watched him play three times, I believe. One of which was in the state championship game, which was one of the craziest individual performances I've seen in the high school football field. I think he threw six touchdowns in Ohio Stadium, and it was a game where it was just sort of back and forth. This team ended up losing. Um, but I thought Joe Burrow played really well in that game, and that was the game where 
I, I wasn't so much sold on him before that that he was going to be a, a kid who was actually going to end up playing quarterback at Ohio State before that. I thought he was sort of like the safety net that we've talked about. And now after that game and, and what we've heard about him, I think he's going to be a real factor at quarterback, like you just said. Um, this spring, I think it's an, it'll be interesting to see what he does. <clears throat> excuse me, when he's out there, I don't. I just don't know how far along his. What we got going on over there. How far along his uh, his skill <laughs> his skill has developed um, in terms of like if he's the guy who has to come in if JT Barrett goes down JT Barrett's been hurt before I don't know if Joe Burrow is ready to play quarterback I think eventually he will be I think his, his skill set lends itself very well to being the quarterback in Urban Meyer's offense but I can't imagine he's there yet after one year in the system and now he's going to have his his first spring ball but he I mean he would be in the same I mean it's, we're not to the fall yet but JT Barrett was thrown in after redshirting. His first year in Columbus, and then started. So Joe Burrow redshirted last year, soaked everything up, um, and, and JT did and say it's go time a little bit now for him. JT did say that like he seemed he feels like the light has started to come on a little bit for him too. Joe Burrow when when he was talking to us during yeah. spring, and that was kind of part of the story. He calls him Joe. See, he, had, no, he calls him I, John. He calls him oh, John. Right. Sorry. See, that's I should have referenced that. I asked Joey Bosa at the combine if since he was going to the NFL. Is he going to stop being Joey, and now he's going to be Joe, and he's always going to be a Joey. But Joe Burrow was Joey Burrow in high school, and is now Joe, except he's also John. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Johns, the strength coach, is calling him Jimmy Johns. Jimmy so, Johns, really? Because it's, uh, yeah, I mean, he just doesn't, there's only one Joe in the quarterback. Because he has arms like six-inch subs. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it'll be interesting because I think a lot of people just in general, and you know, you kind of touched on this a little bit, just thought he was a throwing guy because mm-hmm. he wasn't a highly rated guy. But I think from all the things that we've heard, that Ohio State has been very excited about what he brings. And he was a very, you want to talk about dual threats, I mean, he, he actually was, right? Yeah. He was, yeah, way way more than I thought he'd be. He ran really well in the games I saw him play, and he ran things very similar to what he's going to be asked to run at Ohio State. And if Torrance Gibson, I mean, the whole thing with that was that they had Torrance Gibson sort of locked down as a five-star in that recruiting class, and then they added Joe Burrow, and then it turns out Torrance Gibson, who played quarterback in high school, who certainly already sounded like he always wanted to play quarterback in college, right? Always. He's not playing quarterback. I mean, part of the reason why he chose Ohio State, from what we understood at the time, was that he... They told him to play quarterback. quarterback, yeah. Yeah, that's funny how that works sometimes. (laughs) Okay, so that was a Landis question. I got a Swassie question now. Yep. Uh, Another guy. Who I think is going to get, you would think, a lot of run in the spring. He's an Ari Wasserman guy. Uh, again, it's an obvious guy. There's no sneakiness to this. And it is Mike Weber. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't see that. You have yeah. to replace Ezekiel Elliott. Um, people are going to like to say lots of things about Priyante Dunn because coaches like to say good things about veterans who have not played and have stuck around and reporters like to regurgitate them. I'll believe it when I see it. If you haven't played at all, to come in and be a guy as, as, a, as a senior who's never carried it and all of a sudden carry it, it's, I don't think it's going to happen. This is going to be Mike Weber don't, don't try Curtis Wilson. Samuel. Now, we think Curtis Samuel is going to wind up at tailback. Some people think he's going to still be an H-back. Curtis Samuel's not going to be out there this spring. The guy who's going to be running with the ones, maybe Bronte Dunn will get some snaps there or whatever. Mike Weber's going to be the guy at tailback this spring, and that is a huge deal. Huge deal. And, you know, Mike Weber, too, it's also interesting. It's because, like, I think that there's always kind of been a, 
a notion that ever since the crazy way that he arrived at Ohio State, you know, trying to keep him engaged is a big thing. And I think part of the reason why um, we saw him get so much run last year in fall camp as a true freshman and all the good stuff that we heard about him might have been part of it. You know, and um, it was unfortunate for him that he had that knee injury, um, tore an MCL, I think, and it, it, it caused him to redshirt, even though there was a chance they thought maybe even in last year's backfield he might have played as a freshman. But, but, but I mean, he was going to get two carries a game. I mean, they, yeah, they it wasn't going to be like, yeah, and everybody so. understood, yeah, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott was their guy and was always going to be their guy, but the idea of getting the clock started good enough to carry, I mean, Briante Dunn was on the roster, he didn't carry the ball, so if that would have... You know, happened, then I think that would have said something. I mean, no, they were going to redshirt him anyway. I mean, they redshirt everybody. They lie. They don't, they don't play anybody. I mean, like, oh, yeah. Mike Weber, what? What? What are they going to do? <laughs> Nobody played. The whole no freshman played. Four freshmen played. I actually think the injury was like was zero effect on him because otherwise it would have been eight games of like, well, he's a, he's about ready to go in. Oh, he didn't get in that game. He's almost. Now he's making me question everything that we hear all the time. So maybe he was terrible, and they just <laughs> said that he was good because they wanted to be nice. But um, he's their only option right now outside of Dunn, who's going to be healthy in the spring, and he's kind of like... Is Antonio Williams here? And Antonio Williams is an early enrollee, too, so that's a good... Dun, that's dun, a good dun, and he didn't big. come here to be no backup. I mean, no that's, backup. that's Antonio Williams is the guy who, who wound up in the class of, of this recruiting class good at running back after um, some other guys that were originally committed didn't work out. Kareem they Walker. They seemed like they really... George Hill, they seemed like they really... <laughs> Like this kid, right, Ari? And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mike Weber's path is not empty. Antonio Williams is on this same deck. Yes, path. yes. And it's not like that was just like, oh, we lost Kareem Walker, the number one back in the country at the time. Let's just replace him with somebody who just wants to come. Like, I mean, Antonio, I think, was number seven on the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a top rated back. And he's big and he's fast. And um, they brought him up from North Carolina. And yeah, there's definitely a. There's no position on this team where there's no there's no competition. And Mike Weber is an interesting prospect to me because he's probably not as fast as you might enjoy watching your Ohio State running backs over the course of the past few years. But you know, um, you know who's going to actually win that? Because if Curtis Samuel comes back and is actually a tailback, he's their tailback. So I mean, you do have maybe, a three. Uh, maybe I mean I. I think we're assuming that in part because I don't know if we're sh- any of us are sure that Mike Weber or Antonio Williams are ready to be the number one guy. So I think we all think Curtis Samuel will work in at the very least will work in at tailback. And yeah, but like, what if Mike Weber, Weber comes out and blows it away? You know, you what never if Mike know, Weber yeah. and Antonio Williams look so good in spring that they just say, "Well, we don't." If we're getting the best eleven out there, the best yeah. eleven includes Curtis Samuel at H and one of those two guys at tailback. I think that's on the table. But I think that starts being on the table only if one of those two guys looks great. And I also great. think that you're going to get a sense of that early on. I think that you'll start getting a sense of whether or not that Williams and um, Weber are good enough. But, you know, I talked to, to Mike Weber in the locker room after the Fiesta Bowl, and, you know, he said he was excited about the idea that he was encouraged uh, by the coaching staff that now is his time. It's been a year he's recovered from his knee. The, he felt like he was running with some good power at the beginning of his career, was making the most of his carries. Whether or not he was ever going to see the field as a freshman, Doug, is debatable. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, yeah, you're, I think we're going to get a sense, you know, maybe a week or a week and a half into spring football, whether or not it's a real idea to think that there could be a freshman, redshirt or true, running the ball most of the time for Ohio State this year. All right. Let's get to a magic, man. Oh, yeah. 
just like you hear like little random stuff at the NFL Combine, just whatever, just talking to people. A lot of you hear a lot of things fourth and fifth hand, and this is one of the things that I just sort sort of fourth and fifth hand was that you know an NFL person who had been through Ohio State looking at uh, uh, the guys who were in the draft this year, uh, like looked at Torrance Gibson and said like that guy is going to be something, uh, which is not a newsflash, but Torrance Gibson, high school quarterback. Was at receiver last year, had some issues, uh, didn't dress for a couple games. We talked to him after the Fiesta Bowl. He said he, he's glad Urban Meyer did that to him. Urban Meyer humbled him. Um, I think he had a little bit of an injury issue for a while. This guy is a unique skill set, big, fast. Bill, is it too much to expect to see the beginning of Torrance Gibson? This spring, or is that with with all the receivers they lost, losing Michael Thomas, losing Braxton Miller, losing Jalen Marshall, Noah Brown? We're not expecting, he, you know, we, we know he's not going to be full go at the very least in the spring. Is this Torrance Gibson's time? I don't know. I am like half in on it being Torrance Gibson's time because we weren't able to see him develop over the year that he didn't play and the year that he redshirted. All we know about him is he's six foot six. He runs like a deer, which are like two things. Awesome. Give me that. That's a receiver. But they've recruited guys who are true receivers and have played that position way longer than Torrance Gibson has. So I, I, I'm i not completely convinced that Torrance Gibson is 100% ready to be a receiver. If he is, if he's got the, the route running and the things he needs to, to be a starting wide receiver, then I think he's going to be awesome. And I think he's going to be a weapon that we haven't seen at Ohio State in a long time. It's six foot six. He's going to be outside, and you can have all those little speedy guys, and, and that opens things up. I think it's going to be a crazy-looking offense if, if Torrance Gibson is what we think he's going to be. I am just not convinced that he's there yet because he's playing a new position. He had some issues in his first year, and I don't know if— Without even—without injury. He without was left injury. off of road trips right. and left off— I mean, he, I don't know, yeah. and yeah, just I, I'm not 100% sold that he's there yet. You know who I like? Is KJ Hill? I'm just going to say. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Doug. No, but, well, the thing about Gibson is we we have a lot of experience talking about quarterbacks making the shift to receiver. So I think Bill makes a good point. You don't just go out there and start playing receiver if you never played before. But why do you like KJ Hill? I just remember watching videos of him as a true freshman last year. Um, they they released some of the plays he was making, and it looked like he was a very pure and explosive route runner. And I think more than anything, then you know everybody's like, "Oh, look at all these awesome one-handed catches that Torrance Gibson's making," and this is awesome and all that stuff. I think that a lot of times you can see the true elements of what a great receiver is by looking at that type of thing. And it's just like, and what Bill just touched on—the idea of having to switch to a new position—is a big thing. And the fact that KJ Hill was a guy that they wanted to bring from Arkansas and is a pure receiver who has been in the system for a while and has been working both inside and out. Because he was learning how to play H and he was learning how to play out, I think gives him a really good chance. I know Ohio State really likes him, and um, you know, again, Urban Meyer with his true or fake, however you want to take it, said that that was another guy they wanted to get on the field, and he didn't say that about every freshman. Mm-hmm. So when he does say it about somebody, I think there's it might not be true that he was actually going to put him onto the field, but it's also true that he, they might have stuck out. And that's the compromise. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. What do you like about him? I just thought that the, the videos, there was a one video where he, do you know which video I'm talking about they released of him from fall camp last year? It might have been one of those where he, like, had a slant route but, like, stutter stepped quickly and then exploded outside to the right and, like, caught a pass in the back of the end zone. With, I thought it was like, it looked like Mike Thomas out there. 
I mean, the one thing I, I find interesting about the whole thing is that uh, he's an Arkansas kid. He came to Ohio State uh, basically after Chris Ash left the staff at Arkansas where he had been involved in recruiting K.J. Hill there. Uh, had a connection with him. K.J. Hill called Chris Ash when Ash got to Ohio State. That connection helped get K.J. Hill to Ohio State. He registered it last year, and now Chris Ash is gone. So I like, that that's idea. what happens. Like That's your life. That's your life when you are a recruit. Um, and it's ironic. Don't count on anything. So... Um, this is going to be interesting spring ball. More uncertainty equals better spring ball. Last yep. year was almost kind of boring because yep. Braxton Miller and JT Barrett were hurt and weren't playing. Cardale was the only guy who was playing quarterback, and like everybody was back. I mean, all, all the whole thing last year was all about we're going to rest our veterans, the whole thousand rep club or whatever it was of like, we know who our starters are, and so we're not going to practice them and play them that much because we know. They know almost nothing right now. And if they know nothing, then we know nothing, and it means that we will learn, and that means you will learn. And that means that we don't know exactly how much spring ball we're going to get to watch in terms of practices, but every time we get to see anything, trying to figure out what a, te- what a two deep looks like, trying to figure out who's in the mix, who's completely off the radar, um, who looks like a guy who not, is not just going to start but maybe be a star. And then again, these injuries are going to throw some things off because – you know, you know Curtis Samuel's going to be on the field in the fall. He's not going to be on the field in the spring, but you don't know exactly how he's going to work in. And the way Curtis Samuel works in affects Dontre Wilson and Mike Weber and Antonio Williams and K.J. Hill. You know, last year at this time um, was when we saw Jalen Marshall playing more on the outside in spring. And they were just saying, oh, we just want to work him at every position. Whatever. And that was when they knew that Braxton Miller was going to make the move. And they were putting... Jalen Marshall in that side receiver spot because they wanted to play Braxton Miller in the slot. And the year before, Jalen Marshall had been an H and been in the slot. So all of a sudden, Jalen Marshall's an outside receiver. So all the moving parts affect all the other parts, and we will spend the spring trying to piece it together. Uh, you can follow us every day of the week, cleveland.com slash OSU. If you can find better Ohio State coverage anywhere out there, uh, tweet Bill Landis. And tell him where it is, and he will tell you that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be in Daytona for the and weekend. Hurry, we'll have a live update from. He's going to drive to Daytona, like go to Chipotle, and drive back. Um, actually, he won't go to Chipotle. Like, yeah, it's so like, I don't, that's you're pretty off podcast. Yeah, the Chip podcast is out there on SoundCloud. <laughs> so, thanks as always for listening here to the Bad Podcast. Uh, once again, Ohio State spring football will start on Tuesday, March 8th. We will have complete coverage of that. Ohio State's Pro Day is on Friday, March 11th. That's going to be a huge day for all these guys working out for NFL scouts and GMs. We'll have complete coverage of that. The Big Ten Basketball Tournament in Indianapolis is coming up. Bill Landis will be there for that. So everything you need for the Buckeyes, cleveland.com slash OSU is your place to find it. So for Ari Wasserman, for Bill Landis, I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks for listening to The Bad Podcast.